Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry, joined today by the brothers McAllister. I've got Paul and Terry in the house. Uh, Paul, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Jerry. Still angry about the, res- the result the other night, but other than that, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. I, I feel like I was a little more positive after the win than I was expecting to be, but I'm still, I don't know. Uh, I definitely uh, wanted to do stuff to my living room. It was uh, stunned, just absolutely stunned. Uh, Terry, you okay, man? Yeah, when you say done stuff to your living room, you mean clean it. (laughs) (laughs) See, see, that's what I do after it hits, you know what I mean? But at that moment, I, I, I wanted to wreck it to have to clean it at that moment. It was... Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that was a that was a rough one. Uh, didn't really make a lot of sense how that went down, uh, but that's that's the way uh, Everton uh, take pride in finishing games like that. Evidently, um, we'll get more into that in a little bit. Um, we are just for for the for the people listening via podcast. Here's what you've got in store for you. It's a uh, the uh, Newcastle extra time where we're going to discuss. 98% of a, of, of a good football match from Everton, and then the remainder that was just doo-doo. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. And, um, yeah. Then we'll talk about uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, yeah. He, the kids call him DCL, I think, but I don't know. I'm, I'm 90 years old, and so I, I, I say people's full names. Thank you very much. I don't need to shorten them. Uh, I savor the moment. Uh, and so, yeah, and he, he's playing well. He's, he's hit a nice patch of form, uh, and a lot of people are super excited. Uh, so we're going to talk about, you know, hey, get excited or pump the brakes or do both at the same time in some sort of bizarre configuration. Yeah. And then we're going to finish with a quiz. All right? So that's what's happening. So, guys, uh, result didn't go our way the way we wanted uh, two points lost on this. Ended up with a draw, 2-2. Um, really should have taken this one, though, because uh, it's a big big chunk of good in this one for a while. Uh, so because there are some rant-worthy things that occurred, we're going to hold our rants to the ending. Terry, uh, so let you start this off because you never get to start. Um and I'm just pretending this isn't the third time we've done this. Uh, so, Terry, uh, players that uh, impressed or surprised you, players that caught your eye, where you're like, hey, that would make a good good, uh, good hug companion. What are you thinking, man? Um, to be honest, within, you know, the 90 minutes, they all impressed me, apart from maybe Walcott. So I think it was probably our best performance of the season until the last-minute madness, which we'll come on to. Um, standout players, obviously, Moise Keane. I was really surprised by him. Everyone has been wanting him to score just to you know break his duck and get that out the way. But not only did he score, he, he was he was brilliant. He had a great performance. He was he was acting like an Everton player, basically. He was just working his arse off and closing down and tracking back and bullying the opposition defenders. 
I was, I was absolutely over the moon with it. Uh, Bernard was really good as well, as he always is. He's really creative. I think he's our most important creative player. We've got other attacking players who contribute, but no one makes things happen. We've got we've got guns up front, but we've not got many supplies of bullets, and he's one of them. And, I like uh, that. I like that metaphor. See what he's bringing? <laughs> he's getting literary on that ass. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So so Keenan Bernard mostly, um, and. To be honest, the team as a whole were, were pretty good in in normal time, but we'll we'll come on to why that doesn't count once you get into sec- into stoppage time. Why they cancel? How they cancelled it out? Mm. So uh, to move you to a different topic, uh, Paulinho, uh, Carlos' tactics, uh, the way Ancelotti's pl- you know planned for the game, uh, how things went down. Uh, how do you feel like that went? Because it seemed like for a big chunk of the game, what Carlo wanted to do was working quite well. Yeah, I thought Carlo Carlo's approach was fine. I think none of the blame can be attached to him. It was all on the players for what happened at the end there. I know the substitutions that he made haven't really gone down well, and some people have tried maybe thrown a bit of blame at him over that, but I know they didn't work in hindsight, but at the time, and even now, I understand why he made the changes he made. I Umani, I say, look, I, I know he's absolutely terrible and he should never have been signed by the club in the first place and it's embarrassing that he wears an Everton shirt. But Carlo put him on the pitch. The only reason for that surely has to be because he's trying to... <laughs> he's trying to advertise him, basically. He's putting him in the shot window and hoping that Umar can do something in the, in a few minutes with a silly agent or a silly chairman or a silly manager, just somebody watching it and uh, watching him and thinking, you know what, he's worth bringing in to our club. We'll, we'll have him. That can be the only reason, because Umani Asse can't contribute to Everton in any positive fashion. He's, he's been put on the pitch purely just to try and convince somebody to take him off our hands. So I don't blame Carlo for that. And I don't have any problem with the other substitutions he made either with Davis coming on in midfield for the energy and to he was supposedly supposed to keep hold of the ball and keep Newcastle working hard rather than just getting enough possession every time he got it and I understand why Coleman came on for the experience and for his leadership qualities and so we could push the eBay favour forward the substitutions I thought on paper were fine. Just the players themselves, when they when he gave them the chance to come on the pitch, they let the side down and they let the supporters down and they let Carlo down. And I hope Carlo's marking his cards and realises now that there are certain players in the squad who he just cannot rely upon and they have to be shifted ASAP. All right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those things where... Uh, you you watch most of a really good game, and and I I, I got to be honest, I was on. It felt like it was, you know Terry. We had talked about this before. You mentioned like on cruise control, uh, just cruising through, and uh, I know you had mentioned that off camera, and that's the way it felt. I mean, I was I was kind of doing chores in the middle of the game because I was just like, well, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions right now. Yeah, there's there's Umar, cool. All right, trying to get him shifted. 
Well, this is certainly a game of football, isn't it? Uh, you know, and that was, it was very just tame. And I was, I, it didn't feel like the game was still on to me. And it had to be something very similar for our players. All right. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit more in just a minute. But let's, let's get the rants out of the way. Um, Terry, if you want to, uh, you, you have the floor, sir. Uh, so you, 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 you've got, it's rant time. So what do you got? It's just Everton, isn't it? It's just the, what we've come to expect now. Like, you know, Anfield last season and Millwall, um, and Leicester this season and probably a few more have left out, but we are just, we are literally the worst team in the division for managing games. Uh, there was a, a table put out, um, today that said basically here's the Premier League based on just first half of games and here's the league based on just the second half of games and in the first half of games we'd be like third or fourth and in the second half of games we'd be rock bottom 20th and I can believe that the the most brainless group of players I've ever known for seeing out a game we concede we've conceded by far the most goals in stoppage time of any team in the in the whole Premier League, it's ridiculous. It's just I, I'm not at the for that performance for that sort of collapse. I'm not at the point of blaming individual players because it was a collective, you know, yeah. shitting of the bed. But there are a couple of things which just stuck out to me, which I, I've almost gone past the anger point now, and I'm at acceptance. But I can rile myself back up, which I'm starting to do now that I'm thinking about it again. Umani ass. <laughs> First and foremost, I would actually counter what Paul said about him going in the tra- in the in the trans- in the shop window by playing him. If you want to sell him, and he asked, the very worst thing you can do is play him because then everyone can see <laughs> what a waste of space he is. At least if he's not playing, you can pretend he's you know he's not as bad as he is. We've got a two-on-two situation, and he falls over just carrying the ball. He does. All he needs to do is run into the corner and keep hold of the ball and shield it. I think I could do that, and I'm a big fat fuck, and he can't do it. He falls over just running with the ball. Then, obviously, there's the the laughing stock of you know the, there's the still images of you know Pickford standing behind his line catching the ball, and and that may be a little bit harsh in that isolated incident because he just died for another save. But you know, it's just another in the litany of stupid moments that Pickford's treated us to in the last 12 months. The two centre-backs off the pitch. The very worst one for me is is, is Fabian Delph, Ashley Williams 2.0. I'm, I'm sorry, he was brought in under the uh, under the sort of... Uh, I don't know what you'd say. Under the plan of, you know, he's going to be this, you know cool, calm, collected, experienced player, this this winner, this, you know, he's gonna instill this mentality in the team. It's quite a young team, so we bring him in. And when we're under the you know, under the cosh or anything like that, then he'll just put his foot on the ball and control things. Well at two one, we've conceded a goal in the very last like minute of the game after a game we've just dominated and they've been not even trying to win. They've brought defenders on for their substitutes. He puts us he gets the ball from the kickoff. And just balloons it twenty yards up, instead of passing it back to the keeper to put over the on Russian team or 
putting into the corner flag himself or just keeping hold of it and drawing a foul. It's like, this was the exact type of scenario that Fabian Delph was bought for to see out and manage a game and he's making stupid decisions. I would have trusted a youth player more than Delph in that moment. I think he's an absolutely horrendous um, midfielder in that regard because he gives away fouls that lead to goals. He's he's cost us another goal almost there today. It's like your main selling point was your experience and your composure. So you've been grossly missold because you've got neither of those things. He's just a bad, bad buy, I think, because he's not doing the thing you wanted him to do. And he doesn't really bring anything else. So, you know, what else can you say about him? I don't know. It, it, it's 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 just frustrating when the game should have been dead and buried and we should be sitting here now two points off fifth and we're not because Everton just don't know how to see a game out. It wasn't even as if Newcastle were bombarding the goal for the last 10 minutes and we just caved at the last second. We might as well have picked the ball up and threw it in the net ourselves. That's how bad we were at the end. It's just laughable. Mm. Carlo Ancelotti's got a good look at what he's got on his plate now at Everton, and he's be this the um, it'll be the greatest achievement of his of his illustrious career if he can somehow turn round this Everton curse, I suppose it's a curse mentality, whatever it is, but it's got to change because it's becoming a regular thing. It's like this is the most painful loss of a result. Since the last time it happened, probably a few weeks ago. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Terry. Do you need to Don't tag all? I was gonna say, do you need to take a breath? Do you need to? I'm making the hot tag to Paul. He's coming in the ring. Uh, all right, Paul. You want to throw an atomic elbow or something? What do you got for us? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll, I'll throw a sleeper hold on and slow the pace down. <laughs> um, I, I was at, I was at the game. I was I sit in the gladders. I was right behind the goal, and I watched this farce unfold in front of my eyes. I can't even rant. Terry's just took took the words out of my mouth. I'm just deflated. Mm. That's what my feeling was. It wasn't even. It I wasn't even angry. It was just like I let out a deep, deep breath. And I just put my head down and walked and walked out of the stadium after that second goal. But why must this happen? I, I, I don't like to buy into this. Oh, the club's cursed. It's it's a mentality. It's fatalism. It's always going to be the Everton way. I, I, I try to not buy into that stuff. I try to argue with supporters and try to say, no, come on, you can't have that mentality because if you have that mentality, the people at the club will have that mentality. We have to get away from that. But it's hard when stuff like this happens like if this was written on a piece of paper as like a script you'd rip it up as too unrealistic it's it can't happen it's too stupid and somehow Everton may be impossible possible in negative ways do you know what I mean yeah they can't ever surprise us by doing something absolutely unbelievably great it's always got to be absolutely unbelievably terrible I it is hard to pick out individual people to blame for that, but there are people, there are certain players who I felt really, really, really did not cover themselves in glory in, in that game. Niasse was one of them, but what do you expect? He's a he's a parody of a footballer as far as I'm concerned. Tom Davis came on for the last 10 minutes and 
I've been critical of Davis in the past. I've praised him at times. He's just he's a player who splits opinion like no one else. But that last ten minutes, I I can't see how anybody can defend him. He came on with the simplest task a manager can give what a player: just go on, run around, put yourself about, and just keep the ball and make the opposition work hard. And every time he touched it, he was doing something stupid and losing possession cheaply. And he was. For me, massively, I fall for the second goal because he gave away the foul that led to it stupidly. And he went up when the ball came into the area um, off the free kick. He went up for the header way, way too early, got right in front of Mason Holgate and blocked his view. And that's why Holgate ended up trying to double back on himself and ended up off the pitch because next, one minute the ball was in the air, the next minute the ball was behind him. Mm. He didn't see it come over him because Davis got in his way. It was just awful, awful decision-making. And He's a player who's been in the side long enough now and played enough first team games where he should know the little the little things to do right. He should have nous. That's the word. He should have far more nous than what he's got, and he doesn't, and it's not acceptable. And I'm sorry. I think even the most staunchest Tom Davis supporters are really, really losing patience with him now, and just other players as well. Pickford. I don't blame him for that second goal, but that that that's. That photograph that's going round is just horrible to look at. It's getting laughed at everywhere by every non-Everton fan, especially you know Liverpool fans and Newcastle fans. They're posting it everywhere, and it's just makes me want to cry every time I look at it. So Everton, for me, this season is just the rest of the season is essentially a glorified pre-season now. I, I, I know we're not far off the European places. But if we'd have won last night, we go up to eighth and we're right on United's tails and we can't even do that. So I don't even expect this team to put on a run over the rest of the season to end up in the European places. They'll, they'll probably balls it up again in games to come. So essentially, this is just a pre-season for Carlo to get a good look at absolutely everybody and make up his mind about who he wants to keep and who he definitely wants to get rid of. Terry, you described a collective shitting of the bed. And I think it's a good way to, to put it. Uh, and I think this, this in turn makes the answer obvious why someone clearly played the brown noise, made all of them shit the bed, made all of them just sit there and shit at the same time. Makes total sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, Pete Needham on Twitter I don't know if any of you follow Pete. I know you guys do. Uh, you know who he is. He interacts with us a lot and makes suggestions. He pointed out before the show, he was like, hey, maybe mention the fact that we've played two teams recently who can't score on anything except for dead balls, and we give them dead balls. You know, especially this one. Okay? And think about the horrible decision makings that we made. You know? giving that up, Delph blasting the ball, Nias, you know, trying to, to go and get a goal uh, instead of dribbling in the corner. And it's this the team does not know how to close out games. We've mentioned it. We've talked game management. It just it, we, we need experience being in this position. We need experience working through. You know, you have those moments. We need those moments where you almost shit the bed. You know, squeaky bum. You know what I mean? Like you almost, but you don't. You figure out a way to keep the cheeks together. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, we need to, we need to do that, to remember what that's like. We need that, that memory 
Uh, we need to start thinking. And that, I was listening to a, a podcast today. And it was an interview on the Total Soccer Show with this sports psychologist uh, from England. And he was talking about too many times when people are out on the field, they start thinking about the negative things that could happen in a game. And, they, and they're in the middle of it like, oh no. And they get that panic mode. And they get that anxiety. And it hits them in the moment. And what they need to be doing is focusing on... Uh, on the things they need to do, the, the very specific things, the very specific tasks they need to do to finish out the game. Okay? So it's very probable you've got all these Everton players. It's this collective, like, oh no, oh, 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 oh no, they just made a, they just scored, and we're going to give up. What if, what if that happens? What if that happens, guys? What are we going to do? And it's that doubt, you know? And, and it is, I seriously think there's some benefits. That can be that can happen with uh, with for, for with sp- uh, sports psychology, with these players to start figuring out how to react, and they need experience in those moments. You know, put all those things together, and I, because it's it's too widespread. It's not you know scapegoat number thirteen. Let's point to that guy. It's his fault. No, it's not, because it's not just one dude. It's not just two dudes. We got a slew of them. Pooping everywhere, slipping all over it. It's terrible because that's what it looked like. That final minute, we were just wrestling in duty. It was terrible. Okay, and 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 we have to figure out how how to finish out, how to close out. And it's we we do not have a bad football team. Sorry, we played too well the first ninety three minutes to say we're bad. Not. There's good stuff there. If you watch the game and you're objective and you really, really care about the sport, there's good football there. There was. There was. It's just you can't say you're a good team, though, if you don't close out games, if you don't get the three points in games where you locked it down. You know? It's just it's, it, farcical. It, it really does feel like parody. Uh, it's ridiculous. So do I, do I see some positive? Yeah, guys. Yeah. We played played some good, but uh, do, do I walk away with total positivity? No, I can't do that. And I get the people like you guys and like most of the people watching and listening out there who have been supporting since birth why they're so damn negative right now. I get it. They've been through this more than I have. So that's why I'm not going to sit there and toss too much positivity because everybody's like, look, dude, we've earned our anger. So uh, take it, man. Take it. Wallowing it, sometimes it feels good to, to, to get that. But at the end of the day, take a breath and realize there was some good things. It's not the only things, but there was some good things. Maybe we build. It's still early in Ancelotti's tenure. Still very early. So, and, and I like him. I think he's instituted some cool changes. And, and I'm really curious to see what he does personnel uh, with personnel moving forward. Uh, yeah. So anyway... What the hell does rant mean? Yeah, that's that's what I got. Uh, anything else, guys, before we put this to bed and let us never speak of it again? <laughs> Just hope for a nice end to the transfer window. Probably not, but it would certainly give people January a lift. transfer window. <laughs> and by that, I mean get rid of the ass Martina or something like that. I don't even mean someone come in. Just get rid of someone. <sighs> yeah. I, I I have those hopes up, and every time I talk to you guys, you, like, remind me, 
We hardly ever do things in January. I'm like, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> so, anyway. Paul, you're about to say something? Just final thought. Big up Moise Keane. Absolutely delighted yep. for him. You could see how much that goal meant to him personally and how much it meant to the supporters. It was the, by far the biggest cheer of the night. And hopefully it's the first of many. He's got, he's broke, he's broke his duck. He's got that monkey off his back. Let's uh, get him, let's get bang some more in, lad. Come on. Yeah, my family went through the roof when he scored. It was awesome. Very mm. excited for that guy. Whole family, you know. My kid's been asking for some form of moist keen kit. Bennett's just dying to get one of those. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's, it's uh, tough. <laughs> Get him that Italy that green thing looks Renaissance so shirt. Good. Oh my gosh! The night this season for anyone—it's so oh, nice. That's a that is a pretty kid. All right, guys, that's it then for our Newcastle extra time. We just got done with a segment which uh, bright spots, bleak spots, yeah. It's a thing, but we're going to talk about a bright spot. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for a long time, has actually been doing all the work of a striker, but not actually... It's like, here's a good striker who doesn't score goals. And then people are like, well, that doesn't make him a good striker, eh? But guess what? He's scoring goals now. All right? Um, I mean, the guy has, I think, 10 league goals now, so he's in double digits. Uh, and didn't even really score that many at the beginning of the season. It's a recent stretch of bagging a lot, which is awesome. Um, so, uh, Paul, uh, let's talk about, you know, there's so many places. I've got several talking points that we could begin here. Um, you know, I guess to start off with, who does DCL remind you of? Because I feel like this is always a tricky question. Like, uh, is there another player that where you combine, you think about his characteristics? What it may play from the past? I'm not talking about a recent one. Where you're kind of like DCL reminds me of this player, or is he just very new in the way he does things? A um, little bit of both. I mean, I can't think of a specific player off the top of my head because I think the type of player who Calvert-Lewin has always reminds me of is a type of player you don't really see anymore in this country, the second striker. So I think the striker who would create the goals for the other guy, the Emil Heskey to Michael Owen, the Chris Sutton to Alan Shearer, that type of player, they're two mm-hmm. really big examples where, and to some extent, I know it's a different formation, but Firmino um, over at Liverpool, like that centre-forward who isn't top of the scoring charts. He's never going to be a golden boot winner, but he makes the team so much better when he's in it. So I think when he's not there, you you notice a big difference. So, and Calvert-Lewin has, I've always felt, is just one of these players who, if he'd have been around 20 years ago, he would have been a brilliant player. He'd been playing for a real top team. Someone would have snapped him up. But I kind of felt that way of football the old classic 4-4-2 had just had died out and he he wasn't good enough to be a lone striker at least not in this league but fair play to him he's, he's proven me wrong he's, he's getting the goals now that people used to always criticise him for not getting he's, his work rate hasn't dropped off at all mm-hmm. still working as hard as ever 
and he's noticeably improved on certain things. He's improved to getting in the right areas, whereas he never seems to ever be in the right areas a season or two ago. Um, he's linking up play better now. He's developing little partnerships with Bernard and now with Richarlison, and now he's just started a new one with Moyes Keane. So, DCL, I've, for a long time, I just I didn't see it. I felt he was just going to be one of these players who we persevere, persevere with for too long, and we should... We should sell him while we could probably still get some money for him. But I'm I'm very happy to be proven wrong, and I'm hoping he keeps proving me wrong. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, DCL is right in the good books with me at the minute. Terry, uh, I guess you can you can have a similar question. I don't know if you're gonna kind of. Is there any particular player where you're kind of like you know what DCL reminds me of so and so, or do you want to go another direction and start thinking about you know. What's his ceiling? Because I know Paul said uh, that he didn't think that uh, Calvert-Lewin would be the kind of player to lead the league in scoring. Uh, and he does seem to be thriving in a, in a two-striker system. Uh, is his ceiling, you know, uh, the kind of player, like, do you feel like he could really catch fire one, one season and end up getting, you know, 20 to 30? Or is it really more, is he more of a 10 to 15 kind of guy and really collaborating with others well. Um, who knows about a ceiling at that? That's always a really, you know, tricky it's one tough, to predict. Right? Cause, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've made some disastrous calls as well in my time about players being... Literally you know, every single than... person has Terry. If anybody says, I was right about everyone, then that's bullshit. You know? Uh, I'm glad I was never recorded talking about Jack Rodwell in the past because I thought he was going to be a superstar. Not quite. Um, yeah, I, the thing about Calvert Lewin is he's incrementally improved each season. Like every time he comes back from preseason, I always think that he's got better from the previous uh, season. Not by you know massive leaps, but he's always improving. He's always getting a little bit better, and this season he's had the biggest jump yet but that's not to say oh now he's suddenly you know the complete finished player there's still a lot to his game that he can improve on but there, you're starting to see now that you know he, you know his positions are better his, his finishing certainly improved but let's not like go mad like he's he's hit a bit of a purple patch of form and the change of formation has allowed him to play um, more of his natural game but let's not do that thing that football fans do and then start like you know making big bold you know predictions about him. He he is a good player and there's one thing that can never ever been said about him. Paul said it then. You could never say that he didn't improve the team when he was in it. He may not have always scored, but all the players performed better with him in it because he was an outlet. He's good in the air. He's fast. He's a willing worker, and now he's adding goals to his game. So he he. Is he's a put it this way? He's definitely at least banished those you know those shouts from people about how he's not a Premier League striker. He may he's not a top striker. He may be. Uh, hopefully he will be. But he's certainly a Premier League striker. There's no more people saying he needs to go to the Championship or you know go out on loan. No, he's certainly got a place in this team. And at the minute, he's the top striker. He's got you know he he's one of the first names on the team sheet every week. And it could just be that. You know, he's a late bloomer. Like, there's other players who've been like that. Like, you know, I've seen one comparison, not in terms of quality, but in terms of career sort of, like, 
pathway and, and sort of progression is Harry Kane. Harry Kane, uh-huh. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's age, I think he was on loan at Leicester on their bench, or he certainly wasn't the player he is now. So maybe you know Calvert-Lewin will continue to improve and might have a you know a, a sort of breakout season in a couple of years where he turns it around, but where he turns into like a, a top player. But who knows? At, at the minute, I'm just happy with him being a um, inform Everton player because you never know. You never know. You know some some player he could he could go on to be world class, but this could be his peak and then he goes back down level. Who knows? Mm. It's just one of those things. I'm happy. And I, I don't. And the comparisons that. Yeah, style-wise, Paul, Paul hit the nail on the head for me. He reminds me of Emil Heskey. He's the perfect second striker. He works well with another striker. And Richarlison, so far, seems to be that guy. Hopefully, Keane can be as well after his first goal. But him and Richarlison seem to have a real understanding, and hopefully that continues to grow and we can build around it. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like When he first came and he first started playing, I didn't realise he was as tall as he is. Um, I didn't realize he had his aerial ability was that good. Um, and like the more and more he plays, like at first I thought he's a speed guy, speed guy. He's fast. Um, well, he's even faster than I thought he was. He is stronger. I feel like he's hit the weights, but not to a point where he's lost his quickness and mobility. Um, he's probably our best. He's our best attacking player at winning the first ball. There's no other attacker. Who is that? Is anywhere close to being as good as he is in the air? No one is even close. Um, yeah, he he wins the most fifty fifties in our team by far. Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, he's just, and he and it's not just the fact that he's tall. He can jump. You know, he is he is an athlete. He is uh, his his touch is good. Uh, his vision is good. Uh, his passing is very sound. I think the number one thing that I would I would say the weakest part of his game, which he's clearly working on now, is being um, clinical, clinical finishing. When you get that clear chance, where you've got that one little window, do you finish? You know, is he over that hump, Terry? You actually beat me to it. I was going to ask: Is this time to get excited, or is it time to pump the brakes? And Terry's like, "Hey, easy, easy." You know, and so that's I think that's a rational reaction. Um, especially from, from an Everton supporter, <laughs> you know, where, you know, I feel like oftentimes we've gotten excited and then reality is like, no, 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 dude, chill. You know, um, I looked at his, uh, market value, looked up his market value because I was curious, uh, cause I know we didn't buy him for much at all. And, and I realized transfer market is not gospel. It usually is the uh, is not gospel at all, but it said that his his value right now about twenty five point oh eight million dollars, so that makes it like nineteen point oh nine million pounds. Um, value has increased, uh, but and that's but if he continues on this track and he actually proves himself as a Premier League scorer, that value is going to go up even more at the end of the season. I'm really curious to see what his numbers look like at the end of the season. I also want to see what his assists look like. I want to see if he's feeding other people because I feel like he will be. He's just really good with combinations. His combination play is solid. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting player and I feel like I do like the way some of this young core is starting to come forth. Uh, having a, a core of young players. Right now I feel like the only two where you're pointing to them and say, yep, 
you know, this, you know, you, but no, it's, you got to throw Richarlison in there too. I, I was going to say uh, DCL and Holgate, but you know what? Richarlison's young. Moise Keane is young. There's some good young players. Um, but uh, Paul, do we think DCL is going to get his senior call up soon? Uh, I think Holgate will give him a try. There's there's going to be an international break um, with friendlies before the summer. I think Southgate should bring it, should call him up and you know give him a little look. But will he go to the Euros in the summer? I don't think so, mm. unless he absolutely takes off and he and he smashes through the twenty goal right. mark. Um, to be honest, I just think Southgate's going to Harry Kane if he's fit. Is going to be on the plane, you know that. Um, Jamie Vardy. Vardy yeah. I, I heard Vardy doesn't really do a whole lot more of the international games. Is that true? He, yeah, he's retired. He's retired from international uh, duty, but you know, there's a bit of a debate uh, going on in the media right now. Is if if Southgate should call him up and try and convince him to change his mind, mm -hmm. sort of thing. I I think Kane, if he's fit, will go to the Euros. If he's not fit. I would probably bank on Vardy coming out of retirement to lead, to be the main man. I think Vardy, if he was promised to be the starter, would would, would go with the Euros if asked to. Mm -hmm. So one of those two will definitely go. And Tammy Abraham, uh, down at Chelsea, he's having a, a really good first season as well. I think he's got even more goals than DCL. Danny Ings is having a bit of a renaissance, isn't he? He was very much a... Yeah, he's, I know he's a prick, like but he's... <laughs> Yeah, but he was kind of like a forgotten man, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but he's, I think he's, what is he, like second or third top striker? In this yeah, I mean, to be fair goals? to him, he's scoring. He just always scores against us. He always seems like he a is. Break, so, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think DCL definitely merits a cap mm. with his form. I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of players who get caps that <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can't fathom why they get them. So, DCL, yeah, I'd, I'd like. To, I think DCL, if he carries on, will get a call up and we'll play in some friendlies. And hopefully, if he plays really well on those friendlies or he has a really good final few months of the season, then he's definitely got a chance. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't put money on it myself. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if he it's doesn't. Not. I know he'll be disappointed to miss out. But I, yeah, I, if he if he doesn't go, then he gets a summer off and he gets a full preseason under his yeah. belt and he can be even better for Everton next season. Hopefully. Yeah, it's weird. Like, uh, I know there's a decent amount of uh, my uh, my English Evertonian brothers who don't really pay as much attention to their national team as much and they're kind of like, meh. <laughs> but but I, I get kind of, I don't know, I geek out a little bit when I see an Everton player playing for a national team. I'm like, uh, you know, that it's it's like global. You know, that's awesome. I think I that's think so, so cool. Just, just, not for, just, just not for England. I, I do too. Just not oh, yeah? For okay. Gotcha. I've got good, a good little fact, though. Like, uh, maybe we'll go on to it in a minute. A guy who I work with at the start of the season put, a, put £5 on Mason Holgate to be part of the England European squad. And his odds in the summer were 500 to 1. And they've now gone down to 11 Holy to hell. 1. So he could be... He could be quids in if that comes off. Jesus. Uh, wow. Yeah, he would be. That's awesome. That's one of the things I haven't... Well, fingers, yeah. In that case, I do hope Holgate gets yeah, called up. Good luck, good luck to him. him. That's awesome. Uh, so, Terry, different question for you. Um, right now, we see uh, DCL with a, a start, beginning a partnership with Richarlison, beginning a partnership with, with Moise Keane. 
do you like the idea of uh, him continuing to kind of rotate that particular situation? Or do you feel like the way forward is Richarlison going back to the wing and Moise Keane getting more time up at striker? I guess it's kind of a, this isn't a DCL-based question, but it sort of is based on his collaboration with a striking partner. Um, yeah, I'm because I haven't decided how I feel about all that yet. Um, if we're going to carry on playing this formation, which at the minute I wouldn't see why we wouldn't carry on, I would still like to see Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison stay up front because, you know, I'm a big fan of Moise Keane, but he is, you know, goal notwithstanding, still only 19 and in a brand new league and come getting to grips with everything. And I'll, I think a run of starts probably wouldn't really help him. I think that might overexpose him. And he'd play himself out of form. I mean, I could be wrong, who knows. But um, I'd like to see Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison continue to start with Moyes Keane coming in when there's fatigue, when there's injuries, coming off the bench on certain games where you want Richarlison as a wide player. But I can't see very many of them. I think Richarlison is a striker. I went into the season... Um, and I didn't think so. I, didn't I was even... more in line that he, yeah, I thought he was going to be a right winger. I think we had a did we have a segment with El Pavate and we spoke yeah. about that. He said that he thinks he's a striker. Well, he, you know, I've, I've come more in line with that thinking now. I think there are three strikers. I think even when you know when we shoot Nias out of a cannon, um, he, this wins out to some unfortunate other club, or when we release him in the summer, I don't think we'll buy another striker. I think we'll have those three and we might have um, a new sort of a replacement for Walcott who could double up, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of player, you know, he could could play both positions and we'll just have three recognised strikers and rotate between the three of them because they're young, they're the future of the club, they're the type of players you want to build around. But I think short term, I think Moise Keaton is still definitely number three of that combination. It's, you know, it, it's up to him to try and force us, force the issue and make himself hard to put on the bench. See, the reason I like this conversation is competition. I feel like genuine competition for places is the goal. You know, Paul, you mentioned in the other video, some people not having anybody to, to answer to. Well, sometimes being on your toes and knowing you could be replaced by someone just as competent as you are is what keeps you on your toes. You know what I mean? That's sort of you, yeah. that's sort of what you have to answer to is you perform and if you don't perform, that guy who's looking over your shoulder who is equally good gets a run and you get to chill for a couple of games cuz you played like shit. Like I said, healthy yeah, tension. That's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, you want yeah. you want yeah, you you want my you want my spot. I'm not going to let you take it. These guys um, there might be friends behind the scenes that get along, but it's a case of, look, we both want the same thing. We both can't have it. If I mess up, you're taking what mm-hmm. I have. Gotcha. I think, and I'm not going to yeah. let you do that. Agreed. That's actually one of the things that people talk about, like uh, players from America who go to other countries to play. They talk about here it feels very comfortable and safe. And then you go over to Europe when the training is like, you have one bad game, or if you slack off once, it's you're out for four games because yes. you slacked. You know what I mean? And that sort of it seems like that's the way it's supposed to be. 
is that, and that's, that's something that it's hard to replicate here in America, that kind of atmosphere, uh, just because it's so like chill. <laughs> it's, there's no like cutthroat, you know, attitudes towards it. So, um, anyway, okay. Well, have we, have we done this? Anything else on DC, on uh, DCL guys? Yeah. No, maybe that no. number nine. Maybe getting that number nine shirt's been the making of him. You don't know. Maybe maybe the club putting confidence in him has given him a huge boost, and he feels that he is the main man now, and that's played a part. I think, it's, I think uh, that's helping. I also think the system, the system is just geared toward him. You know what I mean? It gears towards his strengths, and the and the other strikers that we have. Uh, it just, I don't know, feels right for him, and for. You know, so we'll see. Okay, gentlemen, that has been our Dominic Calvert-Lewin segment. Uh, ladies and bo- gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the ever-debased quiz segment that pits Terry against Paul in a McAllister's Toffees cage match of wit and might. So, guys, this is a match from the past. Um, it's one that I, I hate I missed because it's one of those that I, I feel like I would have really uh, latched on to. Um, so, guys, uh, the way this will work is a starting 11 quiz. I'll tell you the name, of the, the name of the match, when it was, and you guys go back and forth telling me the starters and the subs that played. Uh, Paul, since you are, you, it's, you're the one who's had the longest, uh, time away from the, the pod, I'm going to allow you to call it heads or tails. Heads. It is tails. Terry, first or second. Always lose with heads. (laughs) I'll go, um, first. Okay. And so, begin intense quiz music. Oh, there it is. It's super intense. I can hardly stand it. All right, so, uh, the match, gentlemen. The 29th of July, 2009. 2009 MLS All-Star Game. (laughs) Okay, this is one of those that I didn't even know was happening at the time. And in retrospect, I'm just like, damn, how'd I miss that? So, uh, yeah, who, uh, who who started that one? Uh, who played, essentially? And then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll go back and forth. So, Terry, who do you want to start with? Ooh, Tim Howard. Tim Howard, yes, that is, that is a hit. You started Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines, yes. That was the next person on the list. Leon Osman. Leon Osman, yes. Um, Jack Rodwell. Yes. Super fan Terry over there. Really <laughs> upset he didn't get to say that one. Uh, <laughs> Ter- Terry, your, your turn. Tim Cahill. 
Tim Cahill, yes, that is correct. Paul. What a gamble. Yes, this is a real gamble. The Brazilian striker Joe. Joe came in in the 56th minute. So yes, that is a hit. That works. Terry. Phil Neville. Yes, that is correct. He started. Paul, your turn, man. Marwan Fellaini. That is correct. He started as well. Terrible. Tony Hibbert. Yes. He started. Paul. You say 2009. Summer 2009. I don't think he'd he'd left at this point. I'm wondering if he played Jolien Lescott. Yes. He started. Yes. The season had already begun when he left, remember, because he started. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, that's why I went with that. Yeah, I remember he went very late in the day, didn't he? Yeah. Um, Louis Saha. That is, uh, that is correct. He did start. Paul, what do you got? Um... No. No, no PNR on this list. No. So that is uh, that is that is it. Okay. Uh, any any other guesses about who the players were that that came in or uh, or started? Shane Duffy. Hold on, both of you at once. Because <laughs> technically Terry has won at this point. Yeah. I didn't answer a, a player, though. I just said it was that to both of us. So Yes, oh easy. yeah. So what did you say? Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of centre halves. Like Lescott hadn't gone at that point. I think Jagielka was still injured. Distan hadn't come in. Joseph Yobo. Yobo. That's yeah. the one guy. Hiding it hadn't, yeah. Hiding it hadn't come in. Um, That's the only Nash. starter that you guys had not gotten. Who did you say, Carlo Nash? Nash? Carlo Nash on the bench. Yes, he was on the bench but didn't play. Uh, who else? Um, there was Pinar. We had Pinar at the time. I'm sure, we did. But was, was he just not there, or I don't know. There were three other players that subbed in that you have not Arteta. named yet. Arteta. No. He was not oh, on the bench. I was trying to go off the 09 Cup final team and there were certain players who were injured, weren't they? It was only a couple of months after. Yeah, Yakubu? Uh, Yakubu was on the bench but did not sub in. Yeah, he was just coming back, wasn't he? Off his injury. Um, who else? Davis because... Coleman? No. Coleman was not no. Was not there. Victor Anichibi? Yeah. No, not an HB. James Vaughn. James Vaughn came in in the 76th minute. There are two other players who came in also in the 76th minute alongside him. It'll be two guys who are not really big, big, big players. Kind of just 
Well, maybe there's yeah. one off this one. Segundo Castillo? No. No, we had him on loan and then we didn't. Yeah, yeah, he'd left, that name. Uh, yeah. uh, no. I don't know them. Let me know. No. If you let me know if you if you concede and you want me to tell you who they are. Yeah, tell me. Go on. All right. Also I'll, coming I'll, in I'll have I'll have one last guess for one of the was Lars Jakobsen? No. No. He, he left that somewhere. So the other two players that came in in the seventy sixth minute, James Wallace. Oh, no. And uh Jose Baxter. Oh, well, I was right then. There were two guys no one cares about. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you guys happen to remember who scored and what the what the score of the game was and everything? Uh, it was 1-1. It was 1-1. Do you remember who scored for us? Was it Cahill? No. I know we equal. I know we we were leading the game for like a long time for like a fluky goal. This was a question I asked you a few weeks ago, wasn't it, Jerry? Where did the game take place? It was at a baseball field, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah, the MLS All Stars of two thousand and nine. I'm not sure who the goal scorer was. I just I know we took the lead and we had the lead for like a long stretch of the game. If you think about who the striker was who started that match, I think there's your there's your best. Oh, best, Saha. Yeah, there's your best clue for who scored. Yeah. Um, and the game did go to penalties. Uh, ended up being uh, 4-3. And uh, Everton yes. won on penalties. So, yeah. Tim Tim Howard saved two, I believe. Okay. Is, is that when we had to wear the white training kit? Because we didn't have a kit out at the time. Like an away kit. Yeah, we wore all white. If you go and look, watch it back. Wow. Yeah. I think it, I think it might have been a third kit that we just seldom used, but it, it was. No, it was. I remember it. It was a training kit because the 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 old kit bag deal was so bad at releasing kits <laughs> in the end. Had that Everton had no kit that wasn't the blue home one, um, so we had to just use some white training gear as the kit. So really, yeah, I remember Jeez. that now. Okay, well, that is uh, that is the end. Of the quiz, Terry uh, is victorious. Paul, you made a good showing, so I wouldn't sweat it. Uh, congrats, Terry. Uh, what's uh, what's the song? Because your reward is you pick the track to which we finish the show. I am going to pick um, the song Mission Statement by Stone Sour. Mission Statement by Stone Sour. Uh, why? Um... I've been listening to Stone Sour again uh, the last couple of days. Uh, Stone Sour are a band with the same frontman as Slipknot, Corey Taylor, although they are a rock band, but they're nowhere near as heavy as Slipknot. Um, And basically, for the first two albums, I was really into Stone Sour. I'd seen them a few, several times, uh, festivals and the like. Mm -hmm. I also went to a couple of their gigs, but... On the third album, which is what Mission Statement is on, I sort of dipped in and out and then never really kept up after that, no particular reason. And then I, I decided to listen to them. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go get back in where I left off. I'm not going to listen to the first two albums, which are now inside and out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to the new stuff. And you know when you just pick a band and you go on a bit of a kick for that band and there's no like real yeah. reason? They're just... I've, I've got that at the minute with Stone Sour, though, so that's exclusively what I'm listening to. I actually have never heard of them, so you're introducing me here to... Uh, guys, I've definitely heard of Slipknot, and that's not really my 
thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but at the same time, it doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy this one's out. So I'll check that out. Very cool. Yeah. They, they, they're a rock band, but the, the, and they're heavy-ish, but they're nowhere near as heavy as Slipknot's. Like, so it, 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 you don't have to like Slipknot's like that. Cool. Very cool. Well, as we uh, as we wrap the show to the soothing sounds of Stone Sour. Uh, it's time to end the uh, the Top Blues podcast. If if you've been listening to us, uh, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you subscribe uh, on on one on your preferred uh, platform of choice, uh, then you'll put us in your newsfeed. So just saying, maybe it'd be cool if you subscribe to the Top Blues podcast. And if you're kind of like, you know what, I want to see how similar Paul and Terry look because they're both brothers. So let's see what they look like. Uh, check our YouTube channel. All right, subscribe to that. Why not? You get to see the goofy look on my face. Uh, yeah, that's congrats for that. Uh, so yeah, check that out if you want. Uh, in, in the meantime, if you want more Terry, Liverpool Echo Fan Jury, he'll tell you when he's going to be there. If you want more Paul, check the Toffee Blues website. He drops his Everton knowledge on there frequently as well. And, uh, yeah, just check out the Toffee Blues website, uh, All Things Everton there. A lot of cool contributors that we know, nice people. They uh, they know their stuff. They know their blues. So check that if you can. And follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That is all that I have. No more plugging. Plug ended. Paul, thanks so much. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, Jerry. Anytime. Uh, Terry, my man, thanks so much, bud. Always a pleasure, guys. See you soon. All right. And uh, so for for Terry and for Paul and for myself, the long-haired, gray-haired American, much love. Uh, Yeah, deep breaths, everybody. It'll be okay. All right. Bye-bye. Just do